Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I have a very important question this week, and it says, can passion and a healthy relationship exist together? This is a question I struggle with, and so do my close girlfriends. I'm in a relationship with a man that loves me and cares for me. He's very loving, giving, and we just work well together, but I don't have passion for him. In the past, my passion and in love feelings have always coincided with a toxic relationship, which leads me to believe that I am in some way unhealthy in the realm of love. My partner has expressed wanting more affection from me, and damn it, I don't know if I can do it. He deserves to be loved in the way that he wants. So a huge part of me wants to let him go. I read Bell Hooks all about love a year ago and remember a passage that said that everyone will experience true love at their door, but few will recognize it when it comes knocking. I know our culture has fucked up ways of representing love, but what do you think? Can passion and a healthy dynamic really exist? Thank you for everything you do. You're a gem in this fucked up world. Your work is a blessing. Please keep me anonymous. Okay, anonymous. There's a lot in this question, and I want to unpack all of it. I want to take a little moment before I get into the specifics of answering your question in general and your question for you. I want to acknowledge something that it's kind of obvious and we all know it and also maybe doesn't get talked about enough, which is that for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years, marriage was a way that men owned women right? A parent would decide who would get the girl child or the young woman, and she would often be exchanged for money for the man who would have all financial and legal ownership over her, right? So women couldn't earn their own money. Women didn't have legal rights up until really recently, like really recently across countries, across societies. And I think that that's really an important thing because You know, those of us in spiritual circles, we talk about inherited trauma a lot, right? We talk about ancestral trauma and inherited trauma. And when we look at this question of can passion and happiness and and a healthy relationship coincide, it would be an error to not acknowledge that there is an, an inherited trauma, an ancestral trauma that many women have around agency within the body, agency within a relationship, emotional presence, being able to say, I'm going to say no to you sexually, or I'm going to tell you what I like. I'm going to feel safe financially, sexually, interpersonally. These things, when we talk about it from the vantage point of history, when we talk about it from the vantage point of inherited trauma, is very real. It's still a common practice for women to lose their family names and take on their male partner's family names. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to about it feel really like it's a romantic and a sweet thing, but it is really an ownership thing. You let go of your old identity and you take on a man's identity. And in this world that we live in in 2019, where we have the intranet, you know, finding people through their names is actually a really big deal. So it, it is not a small thing to release your identity. And I'm not shitting on that practice. You know, if that is right for you, then that is right for you. But let us not ignore where that comes from and what that means. And I think that that is an important component to looking at some of how for 
straight women, relating to men, trusting men, having sexual agency and passion with men in long-term committed relationships or marriages, it would be idealistic to say that there isn't a lot of psychic baggage that comes along with it. That is separate from whatever baggage you have from your own shit, your own childhood, your own experiences as an adult in the dating pool, as it were. And so when we talk about inherited trauma, what we're really talking about is a myriad of factors, a myriad of factors. And it's so important to validate that. And I'm not saying obsess on it or then decide there's nothing to do about it, but to acknowledge that this isn't a brand new problem in the world. And that, you know, we are amongst the first generations of women who have agency over our bodies. And even that, I mean, you know, you know, it's a little tenuous, right? But we are the first amongst the first generations that have that, that have the ability to go out into the world and choose to not partner with men or, uh, you know, make our own money and have sovereignty over our own property and our own belongings and our own choices. So keep that in mind. That's an important dynamic. It's an important component. Now, all of that said, my dear, the fast answer, the quick answer, the short answer is, hell yeah, it's possible. Of course, passion and a healthy dynamic can coexist. Yes, they can. But it's hard. It's hard to have it all, isn't it? Some of that is because, you know, men. Some of that is because women. But most of that is also just because intimacy. Intimacy is hard. And having passion is one thing. But having passion where you have to truly emotionally show up, where you're accountable and somebody else is treating you with love and care, oi, that is a whole other thing. Am I right? And so, yes, it is possible. Yes, it exists. Is it easy? No. <laughs> is it a given? I don't believe so. I don't think we all get love. I don't think we all get health or safety. I wish we did, but I just don't see it that way. Let's unpack this question around what is a healthy dynamic, because a lot of times in my experience, when people come into my office and they have this particular crisis, what they're really saying is that they want this perfect idealized person that they will have passion with. And the perfect idealized person doesn't exist. And if they did, you wouldn't choose them because you are not a perfect idealized being. You're a person. You're just a damn messy person. And so is he going to be. And so let's let's get into this. Now, my loves, I'm not going to be sharing with you her birth chart because she's asked me to keep it anonymous. But I shall say to you this. My dear anonymous friend has a Pluto moon conjunction in her birth chart. And this gives major intimacy issues. And it is hard to show up for intimacy when dynamics are equal. And what's really important for me to say about this is what you crave more than anything anonymous is intensity and depth. But the problem with that craving is it is not for healing intensity and depth, creative intensity and depth. It's just intensity and depth. And so when we look at your drive for passion, it is kind of like uh, an animal brain drive. It is an intense drive, but it's not super nuanced and in intentional. The nuance and the, the intention needs to come from you. It needs to come from making choices and doing work on yourself. But your impulse to be with guys that make you feel intense passion 
yes, that makes sense to me looking at your birth chart. And you know, you don't need an astrologer to say if all you're looking for is intense passion, then you're probably going to find someone who the primary thing they have to offer you is intense passion. When we prioritize any one thing, intellectual pursuits, sexual pursuits, a sense of family, when we prioritize that one thing over all the other things, then what we're looking for is only that one thing instead of all the things. And the reason why you do this, my dear, is because you're honoring your most pressing feelings instead of a big picture of your feelings. And your most pressing feelings are fix the problem, fix the problem, fix the problem, fix the problem. So my guess is, it's not what you said in your question, but my guess is you do every other. So one guy is like amazing in bed and you have amazing sex and you have amazing passion and he makes you miserable and it's really shitty for your life. And then you break up and then the next guy is loving and sweet and tender and attentive and he feels like family instead of a lover. And so you don't really want to have sex with him. And then to compensate for that, you go for the the hot and heavy dude and we have a cycle. One off, one on, one off, one on. And anonymous, you, as you named in your question, you are not alone. You know, a lot of your friends are experiencing this and a lot of people experience this. And I should say as a quick aside, When we have this experience of the world, whether it's an experience that all Libras are fill in the blank or all men are fill in the blank, some of that is because perhaps that's simply true. But a lot of that is because the people we choose to associate with, the people that we are close to, have resonance with us. In astrological terms, we have similar charts. And so we end up pulling in similar experiences. We have our worldview confirmed by the people around us because often the people around us are there for a reason. They resonate with our worldview. There are a lot of gender-based dynamics in the world, especially in the heterosexual world, that are kind of, they are what they are. And we can see astrologically what they are, but only because we know to look for it, right? What I'm trying to say is that this is not nature. This is nurture. I'm not one who subscribes to the idea that like boys are from Mars and girls are from Venus. I don't subscribe to like a Sagittarius male is one thing and a Sagittarius woman is another thing that is really based on gender stereotypes. And it's also really based on heterosexual, heterotypical stereotypes that are cultural. And those stereotypes really come from the ruling class, aka straight men, uh, straight white men, straight Christian white men. You know, you know, you've, you've read the story, right? You've looked at the news, you've, you've seen the Disney movie, right? So I don't subscribe to that, even though I understand that there is truth to it. But that truth is, again, nurture, not nature, I-M-O. I've, I've digressed a bit, my dear. Let me come back to your question. If you're not sexually attracted to this man, of course you cannot stay with him. And I say, of course, because having a relationship with someone, a romantic relationship with someone where you know you're not sexually attracted to them, unless it's mutual and you are agreed as a team that that's cool, isn't cool. It's not fair. And I want to just slow you down a bit because you're looking for the answer. This is a mistake. The answer isn't stay or go to bone or not to bone. The question to be asking is, do I feel sexually inhibited around this person 
because I'm not sexually comfortable with feeling intimacy or safety is a boner killer for me. Is it worth you doing some investigation into your relationship to sex and to intimacy, your relationship to kinks? Because if you like a power differential, if dating terrible men who know how to bone (laughs) is really attractive to you, then maybe you want to play with power in the bedroom so that you don't have to play with it in your interpersonal dynamics. There is nothing wrong or shameful or unhealthy about that. It's important for you to look at, are you not attracted to him or are you not attracted to intimacy? And what is that about? Have you an attraction for him, but Perhaps you've never told him what you like sexually and what you don't like sexually. Maybe you're waiting for him to like pull the caveman on you and just like know what you like and magically do it. This is something I have seen with just countless women. This feeling that sex is supposed to happen to me and men are supposed to understand intuitively what I like and want. And while that would be freaking fantastic, that's not consistently what happens in the world of adults, right? We must find a way to express what our preferences are, what we like or what we don't like. And I worry for you that these dicks that you've dated in the past intuitively know what you like. And the lovely men that you date, including this lovely man, don't assume. And so they're more hesitant. So, or maybe they just don't know. And so you're not habituated in expressing your preferences and desires this is a really important thing to consider. I also want to say that I've heard from countless women that they think it's not hot to have to tell their male partners what they like and don't like. And while I do have, you know, empathy for that, you got to work through it. You know, you got to work through it because as I mentioned before, having the inherited trauma of never having had sexual agency, our grandmothers and great grandmothers and on and on and on, it makes sense that we wouldn't think it was necessary when we fall back on our assumptions, it is necessary. It's really healthy to be able to express what you like. And if you can't verbally express what you like, this is why God invented all forms and manner of porn, our erotica of sharing things that you think are hot and sharing them with your partner so you can a little bit more passively express what it is that you like. I would say if this man is as lovely as you are saying that he is, it is worth working on your own sexuality in efforts to figure out if maybe there's actually something to work through here, because this is your pattern. If you feel that it's possible to have a healthy sexual dynamic with him, then that would be life-changing for you. Even if in the end, the sexual attraction isn't strong enough, it's really valuable for you to work on you here. And I'll say you've got a Jupiter conjunction to the ascendant in the sign of Gemini, which means you are very impatient, my dear. O-M-G, very impatient. And so if it's like not working for three months, even if you've been with him for two years, it might feel like it's too long. It might feel like it's too much, but you do have Saturn in the seventh house, which is a placement for longevity. And so I actually think you're capable of this work. I don't think you're going to enjoy this work. I think that what I'm recommending will bring up a great deal of emotional pain um, and sexual confusion and psychological distress. And it's all sitting immediately under the surface waiting for you to willingly embrace those parts of yourself, willingly cope. 
Because the truth is, you do want a relationship, but you don't only have Saturn in the seventh house, you also have Neptune and Uranus. And so your relationship needs to be both loyal, but also surprising and dynamic and a little unpredictable sometimes and romantic. That's Uranus and Neptune, respectively. I think this man has romance. I think this man has the potential for longevity, maybe not so much with the surprising and the unpredictable and the passion. And some of that might actually be coming from you. So it's something to investigate. And again, I'm not trying to point blame or anything like that. It's not about that. It's about looking at your own patterns and being willing to look at what is motivating your patterns, what's motivating your unconscious choices in the realm of men, in the realm of sex, and in the realm of how you relate when things get real, when things get intimate. Happy cats and sad puppies. I'm so excited to tell you about my upcoming webinar called Astrology, Mental Wellness, and You. It'll be on October 20th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, but if you can't make it live or on that day, no worries. You get to download and keep a copy of the webinar forever and ever. I'm really excited about this. We're going to go through all the planets. We're going to unpack the mental, emotional, and spiritual wellness implications of the planets. And you know I'd love to focus on the outer planets and how they impact us in particular through inherited issues. Regardless of what level you're coming at me from, I am happy to help you help yourself through the magic and wisdom of astrology. Go to lovelaniato.com slash events to register today. That's lovelaniato.com slash events. Schmuppies and schmittens, uh, if I may call you that. I'd like to get into your horoscope. Let's just talk a little more astrology, shall we? Uh, we're going to look at the week of September 29th through October 6th, 2019. But you know, before I do that, if you haven't already sent me a question for the podcast, I invite you to. You can just go to ghostofapodcast.com, listen to the most recent episode, and also send me in your question to be answered for the podcast. Remember to include all your birth data, keep it short and sweet, and hopefully I'll get to be able to answer your question because I really love answering your questions, whether it's about you personally or understanding astrology better. Also, thank you so much if you have written a review for the podcast or subscribed to it as an independent podcast. It's such a big deal to have subscriptions and likes reviews. Reviews are so useful for independent podcasts. So, you know, just do a damn thing. Do a damn thing. Finally, I get to your horoscope because, you know, that was, that was enough. That was enough of me. Let's talk you. Let's talk us. What about us? Okay. This week, we don't have too many exact transits, but as I always like to remind you, uh, everything exists in cycles. And so the larger outer planet transits that we have, the larger themes that are occurring in our lives do not exist in a vacuum. So what we are going to experience in times where, metaphorically speaking, when the phone isn't ringing off the hook, what we're going to experience is our own thoughts. When you're not distracted by things happening to you, at you, around you, then you're going to have to feel what's within you. I don't know what you think about those there apples, but there's there's something going on there and it's for all of us as individuals to participate with. With horoscopes, especially the horoscopes that I do here on the podcast as opposed to the sun sign horoscopes that I write weekly and monthly, 
It's for me a really great sounding board. It's an opportunity to see where the energies are pointing us and then to reference our inner worlds to see how we are responding to those energies, right? But within that, we all have our individual nature, our circumstances, and our free will. And our free will is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Some minutes, your free will may feel like a burden. Some minutes, your free will may feel like the thing that you are fighting to preserve with all your might. And then there's everything in between. In order to feel like you've got a choice, you've got to do the work of returning back to your sense of agency. And when we get caught up in a reactive cycle within our inner world, in our relationships, in our situations, it feels like a trap. A good example of that is debt. You know, you're constantly reacting to having to pay off interest on a loan or, you know, on a credit card. Another way is looking at relationships that you know you're not happy in or a relationship to food that makes you feel trapped because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? When we are reacting to a fear or a past decision that we don't like the outcome of, what we aren't doing is responding with intention. We are reacting and that reaction comes out of a lot of assumptions. And those assumptions are based on strong feelings, not necessarily wise feelings, not necessarily the truthiest truth that ever truthed. We are reacting to our strongest feelings. And what we know as budding young astrologers is that our strongest feelings are often our survival mechanisms. They're often a response to trauma or fear or wild hope. And those things are not necessarily, as I say, the truthiest truth that ever truth. So that brings us quite neatly into the first transit I want to talk to you about. On the 30th of September, we have a Venus square to Pluto. With this transit, you'll feel it a couple days leading up and a couple days afterwards. And Venus square to Pluto governs compulsions. Pluto is our flight or fight mechanisms. It's the desire to make it go away, make it stop, or rush into it so aggressively that you don't have to feel it at all. Pluto has the impulse to have thoughts or feelings that are so unpleasant that you just want to like get lit, get into a fight with someone, obsess on something that makes you feel terrible, as long as it's not the thing that you're feeling. So Pluto doesn't distract or disassociate with neutral or positive things. It distracts or disassociates with self-destructive things, with powerful things. And that's, of course, only in its negative articulation. But when we have a square from Venus to Pluto, we are more likely to have the negative articulation because it's a square and it feels like it's coming at us and we don't have a choice. Hence me giving you the little spiel about choice just a moment ago. So Venus, conversely, Venus is stability and security and diplomacy. Venus just wants to get along. Venus wants things to be lovely and chill. Venus wants to pluck the rose from the garden and for that rose to have zero thorns zero bugs in its fold, just rose, just scent, right? And anyone who's actually been in a garden and plucked a rose knows that none of those things are usually true. That said, Venus is motivated towards stability and security. And so when we have these two planets forming a 90 degree angle, a square, it kicks up our compulsions around safety 
and security. Our compulsions around safety and security, especially in regards to the themes that Venus governs, intimacy, money, and our aesthetic self-esteem. And so this may be a time where you're really struggling with some old shame. Pluto is the planet that governs shame. It may be a time where you find yourself obsessing on exes, on what you did wrong, on what someone else did wrong to you or at you. You may find yourself caught up in some unhealthy habits in how you treat your body, how you talk to your body, how you think about your body. If you find yourself obsessing on other people, on what they are or aren't doing, what they do or don't have, what they feel about you in your estimation, you've lost the thread. Okay. That's when you want to rein yourself in. What the healing positive potential of this transit is, because of course there's a positive potential. There's always a positive potential. It's not always easy to access. It's certainly not always organic to access, but there's always positive potential. So the positive potential here is to listen to yourself, to be honest with yourself, not so that you can further condemn yourself or punish yourself, but really notice the stories that you're telling yourself. Really listen to the way that you're talking to yourself. I will remind you of something I've talked about in a previous episode called Puppy Talk Rules. If you are talking to yourself in a tone of voice and with the content that you wouldn't talk to a puppy or something or someone else that you think is lovable and innocent and deserving of kindness, if you are talking to yourself any other way than that, then you have lost the thread. Now, I'm not saying to baby yourself. I am saying that kindness doesn't make it so that you are enabling yourself. Enabling yourself can happen when you're being mean or when you're being kind. Having healthy boundaries with your own thinking is an act of kindness, but doing it like a bully is not, okay? What you want to do is really listen to yourself, listen to how you are engaging with yourself around any of these themes, how you are engaging with others, and become more self-aware. The potential here is that you'll have massive breakthroughs that will facilitate deep and permeating and penetrating healing, that there will be some sort of movement in something that you've been stuck around. And this movement is not going to come by being controlling. This movement is not going to come by being punishing or fixating on shame or blame, not of yourself, not of others. You want to, as much as possible, look at things in a complex and nuanced way. This is not a time to be cruel. This is not a time to be blaming. This is not a time to be looking for an excuse to feel the way you feel. If you are feeling grief or shame or terror, I want to encourage you to be kind and supportive to those feelings in a way that is neutral or positive instead of destructive or disassociative, okay? Now, maybe a little bit of disassociation is healthy, or maybe it's neutral, but there's absolutely ways to disassociate that are self-destructive, and Pluto will find them if Pluto has a chance. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the sex and love component of this transit of Venus square to Pluto. This can bring up feelings of passion, and it's not always the passion that is the healthiest passion for you. Now, I'm not saying for sure if you're having like a massive crush on someone that, you know, it's unhealthy, but you want to pay attention. If you are weaving a narrative in your thinking that someone's potential to be kind is more important than the fact that they're not being kind right now, 
then you want to rein your shit in, my love. If you are obsessing on someone new that you met that you're really excited about, maybe you've hooked up with them, maybe you haven't, and you're telling yourself that this feeling equals a whole like novel of data, okay, you want to rein yourself in. This is a period where you can find yourself caught up in the throes of passion and then to take that passion and pair it with some obsession. And that is where you get into trouble. So allow yourself, if possible, to feel your feelings without attaching meaning to those feelings. You're feeling what you're feeling because you're feeling it. Time will tell if the person who is the subject of your feelings deserves it. Time will tell what that's really about. So strive to stay present and breathe into your feelings without needing to create security by creating a story. Trust is earned. We're not meant to just give it away. It is earned. It is not a Frisbee with your logo on it. It's something that someone has to earn. So be patient. And what that might mean is you have passion and excitement for someone new or someone in your life that is old. Who knows? And you want to give them all kinds of trust and intimacy as a way to validate that you're feeling what you're feeling and and it's going to feel like this forever and you're safe. And this feeling is stable and this feeling will grow. Why not just experience your feelings and wait for time to tell? Wait for the person to reveal themselves to you. Wait for the situation to reveal itself to you. Make sure that you're not putting yourself in sexually unsafe situations And as I like to say, my dear loves, bag it when you have any kind of sex that is, you know, baggable. God invented latex products and non-latex products for safer sex for a reason. Have safer sex. It's just a a good way to, you know, take care of your health, spiritual, physical, emotional, all the things, all the damn things. Now, on the 3rd of October, Mercury moves into Scorpio and Mars moves into Libra. And I love it when there's like two planets that shift signs. And I love it because it's a shifting of energy. And who doesn't want a sweet little energy reset after all that noise I just told you about? Mercury in Scorpio deepens our thoughts and allows us to kind of really investigate things, which I I think is really exciting. However, Scorpio is a fixed sign. And so it doesn't always engender the kind of, uh, you know, flexibility that we might want in our thinking. So this is important time to know that you may not be at your most objective because your thoughts are a little more emo. And so that's really good for therapy, but it's not always good for, you know, making assessments about other people because you're really seeing things through the lens of how you feel on a deep level. Scorpio's deep feelings. Mars in Libra is really good for getting things going that are creative and collaborating with other people. So if you've been having a hard time with compromise, this might be the shift that you need in order to do it. Or it might be the shift that you need in order to recognize what your blocks around compromise are. Finally, on the 6th, we have a Mercury opposition to Uranus, okay? Mercury is now in Scorpio, and it's opposite Uranus in Taurus. And this transit is upsetting. When I use the word upset or upsetting, to me, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it may not be the most desirable thing that ever happened to you, but it's not a bad thing. Upsets are what we need for growth. Upsets are what we need for change. We need an upset to our thinking in order to see a new way, a new way forward. We need an upset to the the systems that are governing us in order to create new inroads within those systems or to create a whole new system altogether. Mercury opposite Uranus 
often governs surprises. It governs secrets revealed. It governs saying something that you didn't plan on saying and having to deal with consequences you didn't see forthcoming or having someone else do that. This can make you a little accident prone, a little foot in the mouthy. It can make you feel really agitated. Mercury is your mind. Uranus is your central nervous system. So you might find yourself just feeling really anxious and having your thoughts kind of speedy. This isn't a great time for doing super detailed work or work that requires a great deal of concentration. If you have a tendency towards like restless thoughts or anxious thoughts, this is going to be a time that either makes you feel really calm because the whole world is finally feeling the shit you feel all the live long day, or it might make you feel worse. And that really just depends on how it hits your birth chart. Either way, it will pass. Either way, it will pass. And so my advice to you around this time is to use your self-care tools. Don't collect them. Don't scroll and scroll and scroll through your social media feeds looking for an idea that makes you feel better. Instead, you've accumulated tools. If from nothing else and from listening to this podcast, use them. Use your damn tools. Don't use all of them at once. Use a couple. See if you can calm your thinking. See if you can get present. Uranus is concerned with the future. Mercury is all over the damn place. So find ways of breathing into this moment and being present for this moment and seeing what you're left with. Don't let these planets run you. Get in there, get behind the driver's seat, put your car in park and take a deep breath. One more thing I'll say about this Mercury opposition to Uranus. Mercury opposition to Uranus is great for meeting new people, but don't take what you see at face value, okay? So Mercury opposite Uranus, like I said, it's unstable. Uranus is unpredictable. So you might make a new friend. So when I say meet new people, Venus will be more romantic. Mars can be also more sexual or romantic, but Mercury is platonic in nature. So you might meet new people that seem really exciting to you, that seem like they could be your new BFF, and maybe they can, maybe they can, or maybe it's just Uranus. I don't know. Just stay in the present without making promises about the future. If you're on a dating app and you're like getting really great text from someone, just be present. Don't make any assumptions about what it means because there's a lot of energy and a lot of uh, intensity in the air this week. And that may or may not actually be something you can rely on for next week. You capiche me, my loves? You capiche me. I want to thank you once again for joining me in this kind of, I'm going to call it a, a burgeoning community of deeply caring people who want to be healthier within themselves so that we can go forward and be kinder and more generous and more impactful in the world around us. Here's a damn thing, my loves. Here's a damn thing. When we have greater resourcing within ourselves, we can better sustain the work we feel called to do in the world outside of us. And if that work for you is, you know, being affiliated with an organization or a cause that is doing great things to reform the world, yay. And if that work for you is figuring out a way to get healthy and present and here, yay. And if that work for you is figuring out how to overcome your fucked up beliefs and thoughts that have been handed down to you through an unjust system and a very racist, classist, colonialist world, then, hey man, let's do that. 
I don't care where you're starting from. I really, I don't, I mean, I care, but I don't care where you're starting from. What I care about is what you're doing, what you're doing now with what you've got. Make your best effort and know that you're not alone. There are so many of us. We are part of a larger community. And even if you have days or hours where you feel really alone within that, know that you're not. We're all in this together. Every year they say the